When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's why I do have a question for you, though, because I listen, I, there's no positive in this season right now, but I do have an issue with the umpires and MLB. Do, do they have it out for Scherzer? Do I feel like there's always <laughs> an issue with everything? This time they're, they're saying that, like, his pitch calm, there was an issue, and yeah. that like technically it was a balk. Was what was, was that what they're trying to say? They were saying that he starts his he starts his wind up when he I, I I you know what I saw the quotes from Max. I at this point until he makes his next start, I don't care. Like that that's my attitude towards it. I, I saw him talking to the umpire, and I assumed like we all did that it probably had to do with sticky stuff. It had to do with is this enough or your hands too sticky. Max Scherzer is a great competitor. He is. He's a Hall of Famer, and he he's very big, a very big union guy. And so there is that thought that MLB hates him, which I know they do, by the way. I know that for a fact. They do not like Max Scherzer. Are they telling umpires, give him a hard time? I don't know. I don't know if the umpires are necessarily doing that, but it can look that way because the league doesn't like him. That I could tell you for certain. They don't like Max Scherzer. Is that extending to umpires going after every little thing he does? I don't know if I'd go that far. I don't know if the umpires are in cahoots necessarily with Rob Manfred. Well, and what they don't like him because of he's a union leader and that he tries to do the best by the players. Is that what it is? So I think they felt that Scott Boris and Max is a Scott Boris guy was basically running the union. And that there was a split maybe on some of the issues that the union had. And the Scott Boris camp with Max Scherzer being the mouthpiece was maybe the side of the players that was more difficult to deal with. I think that was the inherent issue. I don't think it's simply we hate player. We hate all player. He's a player leader. No, I think it had more to do with the Boris connection. But whatever. Look, Max ain't going to be here forever. That was the other thing Max did this week. Leaking out, hey, I'll be good with a, a trade. If we don't turn things around, I'll be open to waving my no trade. And here's what's funny about that. That's good for the Mets. Having as many options as you have going into the trade deadline is a good thing. Doesn't mean they're going to trade him. Doesn't mean they should trade him. Doesn't mean they're going to get a top prospect back. Doesn't mean they should. But I like that Scherzer wouldn't hold him hostage by saying, no way, no how. I'm here. I don't give a damn what prospect you can get. So I appreciate that he'll be okay with it. But on June 29th, to hear Max Scherzer, even though he didn't say it verbatim, we didn't hear it from him, but to hear that his camp is open to waiving the no trade sounds like a guy who knows it's over. Sounds like a guy who's basically quitting. I read a quote from Tommy Pham. Where I sort of felt the same way about it. And then I read more of the quote and I felt a little bit better. Tommy Pham said, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm traded. And there was a part of me when I first read it that said, ah, here we go. This guy's quitting too. And then Fam went on to say, I really like it here. And 
I just know it's a tough business. I did not have a good year last year, and I got traded at the deadline, and this business sucks. So he was talking more openly about, I have no control over it. I can see them trading me. I really like being here. And he went out of his way to say the fans are tough, but I like that because they demand winning. And then he made a funny comment about how expensive his condo is and that, well, if they're going to trade me, and I I did get a very expensive condo. (laughs) Tommy, you're making $6 million a year. You're doing all right. You're doing okay. I don't feel bad. Did you so? Did you see the, the comments from Scherzer again today after the game? They specifically asked him about uh, being potentially being traded, and he just doubled down with the "It's Steve Cohen, it's on him." If if right now we're under contract, and I can't even think, of, I can't comment on this because it's just all clickbait. I'm not going to do that. But it's I'm 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 here. I'm Steve Cohen's waiting on him. Basically, Max Scherzer. And Justin and Justin Ver- more so Max Scherzer than Justin. Justin's still so new here. Um, I don't know what his wife thinks, what Kate Upton thinks about living here. I think with Max Scherzer, of course he would accept a trade. I mean, he's a mercenary. And when you're a mercenary, he's here to get paid and try to win. Now, he's getting paid, and he's going to get paid no matter what because these contracts are guaranteed, and they're not winning, of course. So I think we'll have more discussions about this down the road on if it's worth trading these guys, because I don't think it's as simple as just dump their ass. Uh, There's a lot of complications to it. It's what do you think that guy would be for the 2024 New York Mets? It would be what kind of prospect are you getting back? Like there's a lot of factors and we'll certainly have a lot of time for it. Let me get to Steve Cohen and then we'll get to some of your emails because the emails made me laugh. There's some good ones, Uh, usually during games. So a lot of them during the finale of the series against the Brewers. As far as Cohen's concern, and I said a little bit of this on the air, I'm so happy he owns this team. He's a lot better than the Wilpons. The Wilpons were a disgrace of an ownership, and I'm glad they're gone. But, and I'll go into more detail about this than I did on the air. Herbert Hoover was not a great president, and Herbert Hoover is blamed for the Depression. Just hear me out, Pete. Don't give me that look, all right? And I think we all know, history tells us, Yeah, Herbert Hoover had a lot to do with the Depression, right? It's accepted, even if you want to argue with me about it, because I don't think it was fully on him, but whatever. FDR would bring up Herbert Hoover all the time. And at first, I understood it. Like, okay, he wanted to beat him in an election, and he did bring up Herbert Hoover. Now he inherits this horrible economy, and he brings up Herbert Hoover. But look it up. For all those elections that Roosevelt kept winning, he would always go back to how bad Herbert Hoover was. And after a while, I think a reaction would be, I agree, but I'm sick of hearing about it. And I use that analogy because no one wants to hear a more recent analogy because everybody will get offended. But this has happened for a very long time with presidents where it's, it's that guy's fault. Give me time. And at first, you could agree with them. You could say, Yes, you're right. It was that guy's fault. But after a while, you say, I don't want to hear that anymore. You're the president. Herbert Hoover is not president anymore. And he hasn't been president for how many years? So stop talking about him. So when Steve Cohen talked about what he inherited, he's right. I want to make that very, very clear. I am not pining for the Will Ponds. I am not defending the Will Ponds. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with, 
I get it. I don't want to hear about it anymore. Like, I, you're right that they were behind the times when it comes to the pitching lab. You're right. You're right they didn't invest enough in the farm system and analytics. You're right. And I can't make it any more clear how thrilled I am that Steve Cohen owns the team. I'm thrilled he owns the team. He's willing to spend. He wants to win. All of that's true. But when I'm sitting there in late June watching a team crumble, I don't need to hear about this anymore. So that's my only view. Because I, I, I said that on the air the other day. And I hear from some, oh, you love the Wilpons now? No, I don't love the Wilpons now. There's nothing about me saying what I said that has to do with loving the Wilpons. It has to do with moving on. It has to do with, let's talk about why this isn't working. Yeah, we get why you had to buy a lot of pitchers because they left you with nothing. I get it. But nobody expected this team to be on its way to playing a relevant baseball in July. What are you going to do about it? Not what kind of mess did you inherit? So I didn't love that. I think he's going to spend. I've got no indication he's going to stop spending. He did in the Eduardo Escobar trade. He alluded to doing it potentially in a Scherzer or Verlander trade. Um, He did make one comment about, well, you know, I forget how he said it, but it was towards the end of the press conference where you don't want to continue to spend and lose. Well, yeah, but that, that that's not a sign that he's going to stop spending now. Obviously, if eight years in a row go by and he has an $800 million payroll and they lose 100 games every year, he may say this isn't working. But I don't have no indication that Cohen is going to stop spending. So I like that. His point about why Buck's not going to be fired. Let's address this. This is his opinion. And I think there's some validity to it. And that is if he fires a manager after a year and a half, and he fires another general manager, that it's going to make it unappealing to take this job. And I think there's some truth to it. And I'll I'll walk you through how. He fires Buck Showalter months after winning manager of the year. May make me happy, may make you happy. Maybe that last second desperation thing to spark the team. And then it doesn't work. And then David Stearns is hired. And they're clearly going to hire him. We'll get to that coming up too. It's going to be a long Rico today. I apologize. We're already an hour in, and we got a lot more to do. I apologize. I'm sorry. Can I tell you? Um, David Stearns has the job. He now calls up his friend Craig Council and says, Hey, Craig, you're a free agent. I loved working with you. I'm going to hire a manager because now I'm running the show. And Craig says, I don't know, man. I just spent a decade with the Brewers. That guy just fired a manager months after winning manager of the year. I'm not sure I want to work there. And we could all poo-poo that all we want and say money talks and BS walks. And yeah, to some it may, but it is not necessarily good to be firing managers and firing general managers all the time. Is that enough of a reason to not fire Buck and not try to spark this team? I'm not saying it is, but Steve Cohen was very direct on why. And I understand that thinking because I do think that will affect many. And you got to ask yourself something too. Why have the Mets had such a difficult time attracting a president of baseball operations? Why? Is it the unknown of Steve Cohen? Is it the thought that Steve Cohen would fire a guy after a year or two? I think that's a part of it. So I think stability, as much as you don't want to be stable with bad people, like 
John Mara wanted to keep Joe Judge because I don't want to fire another coach after two years. Obviously, it was the right decision to fire a coach that clearly wasn't going to turn things around. So it's a tough position because you want to try something and you want to spark this team. But I get Cohen's point that it can be a major turnoff if they're just going to start firing people on a whim. Did you agree with that, uh, Peter? Did you have an issue with that? I'm torn. And I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier on, but but I'll get to this first. I'm torn because I do think that the team is just flat right now, and they do need to change something. And expectate like we do, we go back to the teams of like the Phillies, and you know they fired Joe Girardi, and then they went and took off. So the fact that that Cohen doesn't want to do that and doesn't want to risk the outlook on the team as like this is the type of owner I am. It's the big picture, but I hate that because look at last year during the trade deadline. They didn't make a big splash. They didn't make a big trade at the trade deadline. And look at this season. It's a crapshoot. You don't know when the, when things are going to be good, be bad. So you have to strike while the iron's hot. And so, so that, that bothers me. Yeah, the thing about the trade deadline is he has made very clear he's spending until they have a good farm system. They weren't then going to trade a lot of their farm system even in a year in which they had a chance to win to get talent where Billy Epler struggled last year was if you remember what the Braves did in 2021, they didn't make big moves, but they made moves that made big impacts. If that, if that makes sense, like they didn't make the sexy trades, they made small trades and then guys helped them win a world series. Billy Epler's trades all sucked. You know, it didn't work. Well, the, the entire outfield was hurt and he had to replace everybody and they went and, they brought in significant the, at bats in the outfield. They they were was it Duval. They brought in, I think it was Ozuna. Pete, was there. Pete, think about who those guys are. He didn't bring in superstars. You're right. No, you're right. That's my only point. Like he brought in middling players that made superstar impact, which is a credit to what that trade deadline was. That those guys made the kind of impacts that they did. So I don't regret necessarily because i get i like steve cohen's plan of i'm going to spend until our farm system is ready and then if we develop enough guys i'm not going to need to have a 400 million dollar payroll because i got all this young talent he needed to spend pitching wise there's no doubt about it they were left with an empty barren farm system when it comes to young pitching they're still working on it like there are young guys that are on the horizon but it's still barren for now for 2023 um, so I get that and I get why they didn't want to trade those big prospects, but I'm sorry. I cut you off. Finish off with the, uh, the manager stuff. No, no, it's okay. Uh, listen, I, I, I understand like the whole situation though, especially when it comes down to, to, to Billy Epler. Like he basically said that, you know, we, it, the, the, the roots reading to uh, reading towards like David Stern's going to be the baseball. No doubt. Manager, no doubt. Okay. Billy Epler is not going to last long, but Steve Cohen's not going to be the guy to fire him. He's going to allow David Stearns to take control, and you say, hey, if Billy's got to go, that's on you. If 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 Buck's got to go, that's on you. I'm not doing that. It's on you. You're going to be the guy that's taking over the baseball operations department. <laughs> it does seem that Billy Epler may know this all along, that Steve Cohen knows David Stearns is the guy, Knows David Stearns wants the job. Knows he can't hire him until his contract expires 
at the end of this season. And so at this press conference, when he brought up on his own president of baseball operations, president of baseball operations, he's alluding to David Stearns without saying his name. And if that's the case, if this is the the secret everybody knows about, the way we've talked about it, then it's possible Billy Epler's known it since the day he's hired, that you're going to be the GM, you're going to get two years to make a lot of decisions, not going to fire you, but David Stearns is going to come in and be your boss. And I think that is the expectation that we all have, that that's what's going to happen. And by the way, if that does happen, as I've said to you before, I think that means there is a really good chance there'll be a new manager because David Stearns is going to want to hire his own manager. I thought the press conference, and I said this ahead of time, it was going to be impossible to make me happy. Now, maybe it makes a lot of people listening to the Rico happy. I don't know. But nothing was going to change that they are a bad team that's well under 500. I don't blame the owner for the mistakes of this team. He's spending the money. That's one of the most important things you could have from an owner. The other thing is hiring the right people. That remains to be seen. Billy Epler doesn't feel like the right person. Buck Showalter was last year. He doesn't feel like it is this year. So I thought going into that press conference, it was going to be impossible to just make me happy. Like, I know he cares about the team. I didn't need some fake, like, oh, I'm, I'm mad. Like, he's a fan, of course. He owns the team. He's not thrilled that the team sucks. But he gave us an indication that he'll spend like George, but he's not going to be impulsive like George. And I think there are times where that's a good thing. And we're going to find out if there are some times where that's a bad thing. I know to a lot of Mets fans right now, it's a bad thing. So overall, the Cohen press conference, it's kind of like whenever an owner speaks or a GM speaks when things are bad. There's nothing they can say that's going to change the results. Only actions can change things. That's it. Only actions. I love the action of the Escobar trade because he showed me, hey, I'm willing to pay down a contract on a player to better the return. And that's a far cry from what the Wilpons ever did. And that's the actions that matter, not as much the words. And look, the team didn't respond. If the team was paying attention to what Steve Cohen had to say, they responded by scoring four runs and going 0-2. That's how they responded, if that means anything. Well, you know, it's funny because I always was worried about the fact that he wasn't going to just start. Like, he's paying for James McCann's contract. Now he's paying for Escobar's contract. We saw him buy out Robbie Cano. And he literally has said, he goes, which is, again, you're right. He didn't say anything that's going to be significant to change things. But the reality is it reassures me. It's like he has no problem if he trades Marte away. The money he spent on Marte, he's already accepted the fact that it's spent. It doesn't make a difference to him. It's already gone. That's a good thing for future endeavors. No? So the no doubt about it. If this turns into a sell-off and – it seems likely that it is when making these decisions as fans on what we want, we got to keep something in mind. And that is next year. The plan is going to be to compete next year. The plan is not to rebuild completely. It's to retool. So when you decide to trade a guy, a guy who's a free agent, like Tommy Pham is easy. Of course you trade Tommy Pham. Of course. I don't think there's any doubt, but with a guy like Verlander or Scherzer or Marte, you have to say what I want the guy on my team next year. Can that guy help me next season? If you trade Max Scherzer and buy out his contract and get back a good prospect, you have to replace Max Scherzer in your rotation next year. You just got to keep that in mind. 
So when deciding should they trade this guy or trade that guy, you got to keep, hey, what about 2024? Here's the other thing we're going to find out about Steve Cohen. Is he repulsed by making a trade with the Yankees? And I ask that because this has nothing to do with the Yankees. If the Yankees can get a good player from the Mets, they'll make a trade with the Mets. A few years ago, I don't know if you remember, the Mets had a done deal uh, of trading Jay Bruce to the New York Yankees. Done deal. That's what I'd heard. It was, it, was, it was happening. And apparently Jeff Wilpon put the veto on it because he didn't want Jay Bruce beating the Mets in a Subway Series game. And it was, it was absurd. And I remember as a fan saying, I don't care. This is me, by the way. And you have a right, everybody listening, to say I totally disagree, Evan. I don't give a rat's ass where I trade my guys. If I if I get the best return, you can send them to the Yankees. You can send them to the Braves. I'll get the last laugh if the return is good enough. I've always viewed it that way. I, I wonder if Steve's going to view it that way. The Wilpons didn't. The Wilpons said, no, we're not making a trade with the Yankees. We're not. And by the way, making a trade with the Yankees to me is a lot easier than making a trade with the Braves because the Braves are in my division. So if I buy off Starling Marte's contract and send them to Atlanta, I may have to deal with them next year. If I do that with the Yankees, what do I deal with them? In the Subway Series? Who gives a rat's ass? Ah, well, wait wait for realignment to happen. We play them uh, 13 <laughs> times a year. You'll, that, well, you won't be too happy. Yeah, that's a different story. Then I'll have a very different opinion on it. And let me get to some of your emails. These were all sent during game four of this series against Milwaukee. Jeremy Clawson writes, Danny Mendick pinch hitting for Brett Beatty. It doesn't matter if it's Danny Mendick, Mike Nickius, Colin Calgill. Oh, this guy is a righty. He needs to hit against the lefties. Does Matt McClain get pinch hit for? Does Corbin Carroll get pinch hit for? Does James Altman get pinch hit for? I, I think we are moving closer to that point where you got to let Brett Beatty face everybody. Because we are, even though in the cases that you mentioned, those guys are in pennant races. The Mets are about to be out of a pennant race. So I never want to hear about pinch hit scenarios. Like I mentioned earlier in this pod, my problem with pinch hitting for Beatty had more to do with what was going to happen in the eighth and ninth inning more so than what was going to happen in that seventh inning. Dan writes, Mets need an alpha. This franchise desperately needs someone to step up and call it out like it is. There's no one in that locker room that will call this crap out for what it is, which is unacceptable. And it's been that way for three years now. And when the owner has a chance to make a statement and change the way the franchise is viewed internally and externally by simply saying, I'm disgusted by the product that he's been put out on the field. If things don't improve ASAP, changes will be made. Instead, he gives everyone who's responsible for this job security for the rest of the season, no matter what. He sounded exactly like the BS I hear from everybody in the clubhouse each postgame. Until that type of mentality for the franchise changes, we'll be banging our heads against the wall every single year doing the exact same thing. I don't agree necessarily with the Cohen part because I don't think Cohen's saying, hey, I'll fire the manager if things don't turn around. I don't know if that does anything. The locker room, it's interesting. It's an interesting one. It's always very difficult to measure. But what I see as a fan is a gutless team. That's what I see, the way they play, the way they've responded to adversity. They have been gutless. Am I wrong? 
They get punched in the face by the Braves last year in a three-game series down the stretch, and they respond by losing meekly two out of three to San Diego. I thought it was gutless. This season, this season, they get swept by the Blue Jays after sweeping the Phillies. They go to Atlanta. They get embarrassed. How'd they respond? They responded by losing every series they've played since with the exception of a split. Gutless. So if they had Keith Hernandez in that locker room, does that change things? Maybe a little bit. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you have to play better. And their pitching is bad. And they do everything to lose on a night-out, night-out basis. Lucas Saigon writes, Evan Hoff, thank you for the podcast. I mean, therapy session. I had to rewind to make sure I didn't miss here the great Buck Showalter. And he actually sent a video of this too. So he sent a video of something Buck Showalter said. All right. I'm looking at the video. Okay. Buck just responded to a question about the bases loaded situations and said they, quote, needed a swinging bunt or wild pitch or something to go their way. I like Buck, but is he legit asking for luck? That's the answer to our woes. How about letting Beatty hit and hope he gets lucky instead of Mendick, who actually got lucky that the ground ball he hit wasn't a double play over the pain? I guess uh, Buck said it. Let's take a listen. Eh, he can't hear it that well. I apologize. Uh, I trust him, but he did send the video. And if he said oh, the video, but, then it must be real, right? Yeah, Buck Buck has really just been losing me. Every, he looks like he's aged so much in the past year. Compared to last year where he looked like young and, and just like new, new lease on life to have this position, he looks like a beaten man. He really does. He's lost. Well, I think Buck takes the job very seriously. He is a planner. He always has been. Like he plans everything. And I think that that hotel room on the road after a loss, I don't think he just goes to sleep. I, I don't. I don't think he's checked out. I've heard people say that. I think he takes the job very, very seriously. And so, yeah, he's aging like a president. All right. If you've got kids in the car, mute this for a second. I want to give Ben A what he wants. And Ben A says, please read this email verbatim. So here you go, Ben. I fucking hate this team. There you go. That's for Ben. And this is the last one I'm going to read because the subject line is the Mets have ruined my life. So we'll end on that (laughs) note. James writes, the Mets have ruined my life. The Mets have ruined my life and have stamped me as a loser forever. I have two dogs named after the Mets and can't look at them because they're losers. (laughs) I got stunned over. I'm sorry. (laughs) We're we're ending with a laugh, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. The Mets have ruined my life and have stamped me as a loser forever. I have two dogs named after the Mets and can't look at them because they're losers. I have this stupid Mets tattoo that should just say I'm a loser. Worst of all, I got engaged at City Field, which likely means divorce because anything that has to do with the Mets means failure and disappointment. As always, maybe next year. <laughs> I'm sorry, James. Who, who, who they, James? Good, good job, James. I love you. That, that's a, a good email. I'm a fan of James. Yes, <laughs> good job, James. And to everybody else who emailed who I didn't get to, I apologize. All right, I'm sorry. 
keep emailing the pod. Well, I, I like reading them throughout the, uh, I think that's going to be our levity during these losses. Just going back to the emails that are sent in the midst of losses. The Rico B at gmail.com. We'll try to read as many as we can. We're sorry that this podcast was so long, but there was a lot to bitch about and a lot to complain about. And like I said at the beginning, no matter how bad this season gets, no matter how much the Mets are soon ignored by our own radio station, Rico Bronia is here and we are going nowhere. We will break down every meaningless effing loss until this goddamn season is over. And you can quote me. Thank you for listening to Rico Brony. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Brony podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>